I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just, just watched Fade, Fade to Black. Twinkle, twinkle, movie star. Eric knows just where you are. Try to run, try to hide. You won't get out of this alive. Dennis Christopher in Fade to Black. Rated R. Fade to Black now playing at a theater near you. This is uh, the first time we have all been together. In like two years. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've all been together in the same half-ass Horrorcast studio <laughs> recording area. <coughs> we've been doing it remotely because of the pandemic, obviously, but now we're going balls out. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> okay, so yes, it's true. We watched 1980s Fade to Black. Kia, this was your choice. Mm-hmm. Tell us, why did you choose Fade to Black? Um, because we watched it, and we liked it, and I said, we should do this for the podcast. Fair enough. So and about a year later, I decided to finally pick it. Right. It's, it's been available on Shudder for a while, and it might even be on... Is it on Prime, or did you have to get Shudder? Uh, no, I just rented it on Prime. Oh, oh. Okay. So uh, easily rentable on Prime and streamable on Shudder if you want to catch up with us. Kia, what is Fade to Black about? This is a synopsis that I just pulled up when I Googled it, so I'm just going to read it. It says, Eric Binford is a lonely movie buff who struggles to find his place in the world. The rejection by a Marilyn Monroe lookalike who embodies his obsession sends him on a killing spree during which he transforms himself into classic film characters. Very good, very good. Thank you. Jeff, uh, Kia already hinted that uh, she and I had already watched this before choosing it. Mm-hmm. Actually, she blatantly stated that it wasn't a hint. <laughs> Um, what was your experience watching this for the first time? I'd never even heard of this. In fact, I kept forgetting the name of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was interesting. Like I, you know, like I said, I'd never heard of it before, so it was going in completely cold. I didn't watch a trailer or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it was good. I liked it. Oh yay! I wasn't sure because it had been a while since we had seen it, but I remember we definitely liked it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to watch this movie and go, oh crap, I should have, I shouldn't have picked this. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like yeah, I, was... I saw a few more flaws second time out, mm-hmm. but still enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. Like, um, I wasn't really sure what to expect and I wasn't, I was like, I don't know if it's something I'm going to like. And so I liked it more than I thought I would for sure. Yay. There was some, there was a couple of shots where I was like, well, that was an odd choice. Like there's a, mm. a shot where they're inside of the diner and the shot is from outside and they're filming them like walking to the door and it was almost like they cut the film there and then they just started a new take of them walking out the door but it's from the same angle but they kind of faded the two clips together mm. it was i was like well, that's a weird way to do that but, <laughs> you know kia do you want to tell us some of your favorite parts hmm well i liked when he i really liked his um when he when he starts to go crazy and he dresses up like these characters, I thought he was very very talented. He should have put his skills to better use than murdering people. Um, there's a scene where 
he's dressed as Dracula and he's put on half face, half of, half of a make, wait, what am I saying? Half makeup on his face, mm-hmm. right? So half of his face is him and the other half is Dracula. And I like that he kind of turns to one side and then you see his regular face and he turns to the other side and then you see the Dracula. I don't know. I thought that was yeah. cool. It, it was very iconic looking, but it, yeah. then when you learn in the very next scene that he just went ahead and did the whole face, it's like, yeah. man, that was a lot of work just to do <laughs> no. uh, one side. But it's like it, a perfectly straight line. To, like, <laughs> man, he really did some work on that. But I mean, if he's he he obviously is really skilled, so maybe just as practice, yeah. I almost can buy the character wanting to do that just to see if he could before he went yeah. ahead and filled in the, the whole thing. Yeah, and his creepy, his creepy. I like his creepy kills, like. When he kills the lady, as he kills a prostitute as Dracula, mm. and he like drinks her blood, which I didn't remember him doing, so I was like, "That's really gross." <laughs> and then in the in the alley where he's dressed as Hopalong Cassidy, mm. he looks really creepy because he's so skinny and his outline was just really weird. Yeah. And then when he kills his boss, dressed as a mummy, the way he was like walking was also very creepy. So. But then I find out this has nothing to do with the movie. I was looking up that actor and other things that he had been in. Mm-hmm. And Mark... What's, what's the name of the ap- actor? Dennis Christopher. And Memphis Mark will appreciate this. He was the creepy red demon in like the last three episodes of Angel that was mm-hmm. part of the Black Thorn that... Um, well, I don't want to spoil it, but <laughs> he kills a main character. And I had no idea, but now seeing him dressed as these characters and being able to to walk as the mummy being creepy it's like he can do that because that character in angel he's like full-on demon yeah so he's kind of like what's that other guy from buffy and every other movie that dresses up as a weird character joel gray oh no you're thinking of um he was in hellboy uh doug doug jones yeah doug jones yeah so this guy this Dennis Christopher, he's a good actor, but obviously he's also a good, um, like, character actor, I guess, right. how you can kind say that. Kind of embody makeup. different yeah. Yeah, makeup and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like him. He had a, a young Roddy McDowell look. And That's then, what I was thinking, too, the whole time. I was like, he looks like Roddy McDowell. Mm. And then Craig also pointed out, and I noticed that he sounds like um, Evil Ed sometimes, too. His laughter, I thought, yeah. really. And the character remind me of Evil Ed from Fright Night just a yeah. little bit, too, because he's such a cinephile and everything. Also mm-hmm. kind of made me think of the Joker, too. Like, it's like mm-hmm. he could have been a, the Joker. I don't know. He would have been a good Joker. <laughs> yeah. that, that, actually, yeah. he would still be a good Joker if they ever got around to doing Dark Knight Returns. He could yeah. be like an older, aged Joker. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty slick. I will say I could have done without the masturbation scene. But. Oh, that was <laughs> awkward. Yeah. It, it's it, like, what's happening? Oh, no. That's one oh, of those things no. where we're watching it and we're like, man, we forgot about this. We, A, chose this for a podcast where theoretically people will listen based on our, you know, the fact that we picked it. And we forced Jeff to watch it. So like, it's a really awkward <laughs> moment. You know, it was like, well, okay. We served that up to people. It started and I was like, he's not going to do that. Oh, no, he's going for it. Mm. Well, they surely won't show him do the whole, oh, no, he finished. Okay. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> we got to see the shame and everything where he's yeah. like, I'm sorry, Marilyn. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's got to be awkward to film something like that, Definitely. too. Definitely. They always talk about how awkward sex scenes are, but that's got to be almost... At least there's another person suffering with you. This this is like you're on your own. Mm. Yeah, it's like a room full of people watching you do that. (laughs) (laughs) What did y'all think of the actress that played? I guess her character was named Marilyn, and she 
was trying to, I guess, become an actress. Capitalizing. Capitalizing off her looks. Because I think usually when I see actresses portraying Marilyn Monroe, it's like, you look nothing like Marilyn Monroe. It's pretty hard, I guess, to look like her. But when they showed her in like a fantasy sequence where she's dressed as Marilyn Monroe, I think she actually did look like her. Her, her face and mannerisms, I thought, mm-hmm. were spot on. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, really well directed and acted. I think the most unbelievable part was that at no point was she ever freaked out by that guy. She was never like, this guy's a little too creepy for me. She was mm-hmm. just always like, yeah, tell me more. Just yeah. like, like, even <laughs> when he like kind of kidnaps her or whatever, she's still just like, she doesn't seem like she's there against her will or anything, you know? What's yeah. weird, the other thing about that is they establish that she's from Australia, mm-hmm. and she's a little bit of a country bumpkin. She doesn't really know much about, you know, they mentioned that she only watched two movies growing up, because mm-hmm. uh, that's all she had access to. Oh, yeah. Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music, right. basically. And if you think about it in that context, too, you would think she'd be really freaked out. Uh, if she was a native Los Angeles uh or Los Angeles native, you could maybe believe that she'd be like, eh, I'm used to freaks. I'm used to people being mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. But eh, she rolled with it. And maybe yeah. she was just really open-minded, I guess. Maybe Australia had weird freaks in the 80s, just like we did. <laughs> Bad judge of character. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be the case. But I think maybe that goes to also how unassuming he is. He's like this skinny, nerdy guy that's not really intimidating. So even when she's like at the very end... Because he sets up a casting call to kind of lure her there. And I think when she realizes it's him, I think she just thinks, oh, I'm just going to go along with it. He's cute. I'm having fun. And then she, and then he starts giving her drugs, which I guess she takes without hesitation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's just like, yeah, whatever you give me, I'll, I'll put it in my so mouth. So then go she kind of becomes out of it. And I... I I was kind of, it's funny because, you know, like I said, I'd never heard of this movie. And I, at first I thought, oh, this is probably like just some like low budget 80s thing when it showed them in different locations, like in Venice Beach. And then at the end where they're at the Chinese theater mm-hmm. in Hollywood, I thought like, oh, they're like stealing these shots. Like they probably didn't get permits to do any of this <laughs> stuff. But then it shows like he's on the roof of the theater. Sure. And then there's like a whole stunt where he falls off the roof does like a flip and i'm just like oh no they like had to actually you know get permission to do all this stuff so it it just kind of surprised me like oh this is a more like legit movie than i expected it or i thought that it was and then um i didn't look it up i'm, I'm sure it had like a theatrical release back in the day but but we get to see a early uh, mickey rourke performance yes that was pretty cool yeah it was cool I feel like there was somebody else that I recognized in the movie, and I can't remember who it was now. You recognized, um, it was like, a, I guess, a friend of the girl. Yeah, he worked with her at her day job, I think. And he was like an actor from 30-something. That's what it was, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know this guy. And I, I was like, oh it yeah, was he was in... 30-something uh, and something. Singles. He was in that movie. 30, oh yeah. Was he in Singles? Oh wow. Yeah, he was the one that like, remember she made that like dating VHS tape? And mm-hmm. then uh, she was late, and then he showed up and started like dating her roommate. <laughs> he was—he's been in some other stuff too. Oh, he was in uh, *Children of the Corn*. That's, that's right. What, that's, that's what we were trying to. Totally yeah. Right. Uh, and then the uh, psychiatrist that's trying to help Eric—he was in a lot of things as well. Oh yeah. Uh, to, to include *Dollman*, I think that's kind of his biggest lead role. But he was in *Baywatch*. Oh. I thought like, you were going to say... Well, yeah. He was in an episode of Golden Girls. Right. Um, <laughs> the suitor for... Was it Blanche? Blanche. Yeah. 
Of course. Which is interesting because I also think his aunt reminded me of an older Rue McClanahan mm. who played Blanche in Golden Girls. I think we should talk about his, um, who he based himself on, right? So Eric Dunford, Denford, what's his name? Eric. I don't forget his last name. It's Benford. I think. Benford yeah. is a big classic movie fan, which um, I guess kind of really spoke to us because for the past couple years, Craig and I have gotten into classic movies and we've been keeping a list of what I call before our time. So if it was, if it came out before we were born, it goes on the list and we're up to like a little over 200. So we're mm. like really into Turner classic movies. And yeah. So Eric really likes... You see some, obviously, he has tons of pictures of Marilyn Monroe. He has pictures of um, James Cagney and Cary Grant and some other people. So he models himself after, and it calls, he changes his name and starts going by Cody Jarrett, which is James Cagney's character from Is It White Heat? I think so, yeah. I guess that's the movie that they show at the end where, at the end, James Cagney is like, I made it, Ma, top of the world. Mm. And we had seen that movie um, before we watched this, so... I thought that was those movie references are pretty cool. And also, again, just like Scarface, why are people modeling themselves after characters with horrible endings? It's like on <laughs> on MTV Cribs, whenever they went into a rapper's house, they all they always had a poster of Scarface. And it's like, you know how Scarface ended. It you, did not go well for him. You learn all the wrong <laughs> lessons because you're like, man, these people don't take any shit. I love that. But, you, but then you forget like, oh, they all get killed horribly. It's, it's yeah. like always humiliating, you know, very sad deaths. And yeah, but you just remember like, oh no, they like push somebody by their face. That's awesome. And look how badass he was before right. he got his ass handed to him. <laughs> and he also changes the, his street to... 99 River Street, which in the movie, they kind of mentioned like, what is that? What is that? But I don't think they ever answered it. So we Googled it and it's a movie, basically. It's like a noir yeah. movie that's called 99 River Street. Um, which I think would have been more famous 1980-ish than it is probably. now, 40 years later. Um, it probably was a little bit more relevant to the people that watched it in 1980 than it would All be those does. references are probably more relevant. True. I mean, everyone would probably know... Definitely Marilyn Monroe, but mm -hmm. they might not have known other people mm -hmm. or other references. Also, um, that like he makes that bet with Mickey Rourke to <laughs> like about the the name of the character, and like today we should be like, oh, I can find that out right now. Yeah, <laughs> oh, there it, is. it was yeah. like, like you know Casablanca too. So it's yeah. like a very famous movie that yeah you could have Googled and known mm -hmm. the answer literally in three seconds. But yeah, but mm -hmm. then he he gave him like. What was it, like a week or something? 48 to hours 48 was the hours. initial bet. Yeah, oh, okay, so it was yeah. a couple days. And there was an honor system where he said, hey, don't you can't look at the script. Mm -hmm. You can't look it up in a trade or something like that. You know, so he, he was expecting him to come up with it on memory, I guess, yeah. mm -hmm. eventually. Which you would also think that like they work together at like a, a film place. He could just be like, well, I'll just rewatch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what... Uh, did you ever understand exactly what his job was? I thought it was a little esoteric what, yeah, what, what they I, were doing at that. I uh, didn't quite understand what it... Maybe it was like a film preservation place or something. Yeah, it's like or, film stock is what yeah. I, could, I came up with is that maybe it was a big warehouse that had classic film footage. It said it works as a film distributor's warehouse. Mm. Well, maybe it's just straight up reels of movies then, and they rent them out to <laughs> yeah. movie houses. But Craig pointed out that they probably weren't very well stored films because yeah. <laughs> the warehouse had like puddles of water all on the floor. It was 
is like pretty gross. And I don't know if that was on purpose, if they were trying to show like, oh, this is like a horribly dilapidated film preservation. I, I mean, they're they're not worried about the film stock getting deteriorated or because I would think moisture would be the first thing you would protect it <laughs> yeah. against. And it was obviously very filthy and puddles. It, it looked too real to be like Good point. put on like that, you know, like. Uh whatever the the canisters that they put the films in yeah i noticed they were like when i used to work at a movie theater those were the same kind of like metal canisters they would ship the films in to the theater so i mean it looked pretty legit but it also looked really filthy and dilapidated (laughs) and like they weren't really taking care of the place it's behind (laughs) the scenes i mean you just you hear all those stories of you know, things being preserved horribly by studios and are being taped over in some cases when it's videotape, you know, classic television, just yeah. lost forever. Um, I think even big stuff like Doctor Who, uh, they don't have the, some of the original episodes because the BBC was like, eh, we need that for something else, so just tape mm-hmm. over it. I mean, yeah. There's, so there's, I guess he's a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, gets brought in to the police station. Right. For some reason, I'm not really sure. He kind of gets involved in... This case, Eric's case, when he starts killing people, but the lead detective sergeant, I don't know their titles, doesn't want him involved. So I'm not really sure why this psychiatrist guy was brought in in the first place. But anyway, he's like, he does like cocaine, like... (laughs) He's doing bumps of cocaine in in his office, in the the, the police precinct, yeah. (laughs) And also playing the harmonica and... (laughs) And there's a, like, the only female police officer they have falls madly in love with him. Mm. And they have, like, a relationship. And then they go on the hunt for this guy together. And this doctor, psychiatrist guy, who I guess is modeled after Dr. Loomis, I guess, Mm. um, is just really over-inserting himself into the case. Like... He becomes obsessed very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And very concerned. He, He, like, has a lot of sympathy for Eric... That I don't believe is very well earned. You exactly, know? yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he has a lot of sympathy for him. And it's, yeah, you're just like, yeah, no, this, you, you got it wrong, dude. This guy's, <laughs> they need, somebody needs to stop this guy. Right? <laughs> he, has, he has problems. And then at the end, when the, there's a big showdown at Grauman's, is that what it's called? Chinese the, theater. Yeah. When Eric's up on the roof with the Maryland lady and the police are all there. And none of them go into the theater and up to the roof to stop him. They're just like, where is he? They <laughs> what just do we like, do? They we'll just like wait, wait for him. head up and shoot him. <laughs> and Craig pointed out that the LAPD, surely there is no way that they would have just, inten- not intentionally, but wanted that to be the optics. Because there's tons of people around looking at them and they just shoot a guy on a roof and like watch him fall. Uh, and one of their biggest landmarks it's like yeah. a big tourist attraction and they publicly execute someone like that's not yeah. that's not so, they would be trying to avoid that at all cost yeah. i mean with they, a crowd watching right i mean they would have been like there probably would have been a call from the mayor of like hey i i, I see something going down you mm-hmm. have to make sure that you don't kill this man live on television the only one that went to the theater to stop him was the doctor mm. and then marilyn even though she's on drugs that he's been giving to this that Eric's been giving her, she, she finds a way to kind of talk him out of it. She's like, cause he has a gun and she's like, Eric, no. And she's able to take the gun away from him. And then the doctor is like, run lady. And then yeah, Eric flips back out again. It. And it's like, dude, <laughs> she calmed him down. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully Eric threw her in a room on top of the roof. So hopefully someone went up to that roof. Otherwise yeah, at some point. Yeah. she's just going to 
die up there. It, it'd be funny if the police never go inside. They're just like, ah, he fell off the roof, so we'll just get the body. Case closed, guys. Good job. And she's just like pounding. Please help me. Cut to like 30 years later, somebody goes on the roof. They're like, discover like a skeleton. They're like, what happened? Platinum hair? A Marilyn Monroe lookalike killed herself up here. So tragic. <laughs> to to say that i think the description of this movie makes it seem like when the maryland lady shuns him he kind of goes crazy right but in reality she didn't shun him so when they first met she was really nice to him which is unusual in these movies because he's kind of a nerd she's very attractive and usually in these movies like the nerd doesn't get the girl but he gets the girl like right away even if she's humoring him she goes on a ride with his motorcycle she, he drops her off somewhere and then she agrees to meet him at a movie theater and she's late so he thinks or she meets him at a diner and she's late so he thinks he got ditched mm-hmm. and then he goes home he watches old movies and then his aunt comes in and she's weird and crazy and then that's the first kill she kind of sets him off yeah, she, his, his aunt is really upset with his arrested development. She, she really yeah. hates that he's or his, just... It's actually his mother, right? It's a reveal later that the aunt is the mother, so we don't know that at this point, but right. yeah. So I just wondered if if he had known that she had shown up, would he not have gone crazy? Or was it all just a matter of time? Because at some point, his his the aunt is really the one to blame, mm. not the girl, you know? What do you think, Jeff? I think it's just a matter of time. Cause yeah. Like he seemed like he was already on the verge of uh, snapping, and uh, you know, living with that woman. I, you, yeah. you know, I was gonna say like you can't blame him, but I guess you could. But like, it's still like, you know, she was very abusive verbally, and yeah. it's always just like yelling at him and saying all the meanest things she can say. Uh, which is also weird that it's like it's revealed that it's her actual son, like. Mm-hmm. Man, I could be that cruel to your kid, but well, she she blames him probably unfairly yeah. for destroying her dancing career or whatever show business career she had going. She got pregnant at a young age. Is there a hint that there is incest going on or something weird? Because he when he's gonna go meet this lady at the movies, oh yeah, he asks to borrow money and he said, "I'll pay you back at my usual." rate of interest or something and then she gives him money like out of her bra and then she's all like you know just be back in time i, I want my back rub mm-hmm. what's happening yeah. here i don't know i think there's a little bit going on it's kind of <laughs> classic almost uh, norman bates style mm-hmm. where it's yeah. not maybe full-fledged um incest but incestuous perhaps yeah. come and rub my back doll <laughs> <laughs> um there's some a couple of interesting bits of trivia on here. One, we talked about this. Horror of Dracula clips were used during the Dracula scene after Universal Studios denied permission for the filmmakers to use clips from Dracula. Oh. Which we didn't know if that is what happened or if it was intentional. I kind of thought they liked the horror of Dracula better because, from what I remember of um, Lugosi's Dracula, he's kind of he's kind of tame. He doesn't really... He's not that aggressive. He just kind of stands there and lures people to him. Whereas Christopher Lee's Dracula is more aggressive, like 
Eric was. Oh, he's running after people. Right. And, yeah, attacking yeah. them outwardly. Yeah. yeah, so that's the way. And um, the actress Gwen Guilford, who played the female police officer, was pregnant during filming, and the production team had to hide her stomach in most of the shots. And that baby is Chris Pine. What? Is that true? Yes. <laughs> yes. And his father was also on chips at the time. It's crazy. <laughs> That so, blew my of, mind. That's one of his Chris Pine's earliest film performances. Yeah. That might, yeah. I, I, I thought it was cool, too, that this is a slasher that dresses up differently for each kill, mm. um, which is really rarely used. I'm surprised it's not a more common trope of... A slasher is him becoming a different character each time he kills someone, whether it be because, you know, he has access to a lot of costumes or in, in this case, he's personifying a character uh, for each kill. Um, I, I don't know. I thought that was a really cool idea and mm. play on the slasher instead of just doing the same mask the whole movie. I will say, where did he... Well, you mentioned after his aunt, his mother dies, he comes into some money, mm. but he must have crazy resources because he, he kills a producer... So for some reason, an apparently big-time producer just picks him up on the street and gives oh, him a ride somewhere. And he kills his producer, but he, he kills him at a like a beauty salon or something. And he arrives in like a really nice old-school retro car, and he has a tummy gun. And it's mm-hmm. like, where is he getting all these things? And, and like a nice suit. And, and a nice suit. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it would spoil it a little bit if we saw him go through all the steps of renting these things course, yeah. or yeah. whatever. And uh, apparently he's not concerned at all about getting caught at some point. Yeah. I mean, he's not really trying to cover his tracks that much. Or, um, but they did, again, they did imply the, uh, his boss at the, uh, the film distri- distribution studio or whatever does say, hey, why haven't you bought a, a car with your inheritance? I know you inherited a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And Eric is basically like, don't worry about that. Don't, don't ask. You know, <laughs> so it kind of implies yeah. that he's probably wasting all of his money on these props and, and buying these odds and ends and renting out that studio space for the photography uh, gimmick at the end of the movie, I guess. I don't know. It's yeah. a little, it's, it's a little <laughs> yeah, shaky. Like a, like a nameplate made for him. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get to it. Let's grade this and tell our listeners if, if we recommend it. I would give it a B. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Will you, will you recommend people watch it? Of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, I agree. I, I think I'll give it a B minus just because I think I liked it a little bit less than you mm-hmm. uh, on the second watch. But I definitely recommend it, especially if you are a fan of slashers and you want to see a proto slasher after um, Halloween, something I got kind of inspired very briefly after Halloween. Give it a C plus. <gasps> oh, there we go. I mean, I give it whatever key I gave it. <laughs> no, a C plus. So C plus, B minus, and a B. That's, it's it's good like to have B-. some passion. We got to... Gotta gotta fight a, sometimes. A B minus. That's not bad. No, that's actually above average. So, <laughs> check it out on Shutter. Fade to black. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just, just reviewed, reviewed Fade, Fade to, to Black. It is time once again for. Guys, I have some trivia. Are we ready? Cool. Yeah. It's actually really interesting because this is classic Hollywood trivia written 
by Eric Binford. What? Yes. Oh. Uh, these 15 questions were found among his notes after his death oh, at I Man's see. Chinese Theater. I see what you're doing. This is, this is written by the cinephile slasher, Half-Ass Horrorcast Trivia. So question one. What 1927 musical was the first talkie? First movie with sound. It was a musical? That's correct. Oh. Jeff. Hmm. Go for it. <laughs> Options. What? <laughs> a. Dancing Daddies. B. The Jazz Singer. Wait. C what? Those are the rules? Options? I thought if you said your name, you had to guess, and then the other person could say options. Okay. Um, so what should we do then? Well, proceed like that after this question. <laughs> okay. Question one, what 1927 musical was the first talkie? A, Dancing Daddies, B, The Jazz Singer, C, Moaning Mamas, D, The Opera Singer? Um, Jazz Singer. That is correct. So he, so, okay. He, he asked for options, so he only gets one point. Question two, what are the dying words of Charles Foster Kane and Citizen Kane? Kia. Yes. Rosebud. That is correct. <laughs> the, the other options were help, I'm dying. <laughs> Appleseed. No. Mama, I'm coming home. Question three, what real-life, on-again, off-again Hollywood power couple starred in the film Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Kia. Yes. Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. That is correct. <sighs> why, why does that make you upset? <laughs> <laughs> Question four. Who played juror number eight in 12 Angry Men? Hmm. Like how all these questions are like geared toward you two. <laughs> like, well, I didn't know like, he was going to watch 200 like, old movies. How many have you watched? <laughs> I would like the options. A. Sidney Poitier. B. Henry Fonda. C. Steve McQueen. D. Paul Newman. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Paul Newman. That is incorrect. Um, Steve McQueen? Incorrect. It was Henry Fonda. Oh. Question five. Marlon Brando could have been a contender in what iconic 1954 crime drama? Uh, I could have been a contender. I don't remember the name of it. You want op options? The options. A, on the waterfront. B, Requiem for a Heavyweight. C. The Boxing Contender. D. Cauliflower Ears. <laughs> Kia. Yes. Requiem for a Heavyweight? Incorrect. Jeff. Yes. On the Waterfront. Correct. I thought he was on the, in, the water, on, in on the Waterfront. He was. The question was, Marlon Brando could have been a contender... In what iconic 1954 crime drama? Oh, I thought, I read that as he could have been in the movie, but that's literally the line he says. Got it. Question six. Who directed Boris Karloff in the classics Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein? I know this. 
Jeff. He, oh. James Whale. That is correct. A special one-point bonus. What other film did Whale direct Karloff in? Kia. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> the Black Cat. Incorrect. Good guess. I think Kia just remembered. No, I, I didn't. Know. I'm still annoyed about the on the waterfront question because I misinterpreted <laughs> it. How about the mummy? Incorrect. <laughs> the mummy. 1932's The Old Dark House. Hmm. Question seven. What's the name of Charlie Chaplin's most famous reoccurring character? Kia. Yes. The tramp? That is correct. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, was, he, I, I want, was I, there really a name? I insist on reading the options. Okay. A, the tramp. B, the little slut. <laughs> C, the hobo. D, the dapper dunce. <laughs> Question eight. <laughs> What's the name of John Wayne's character in True Grit? I done forget. Options? Yes. Okay. The name of John Wayne's character in True Grit. A, Chicky Backman. <laughs> B, Rooster Cockburn. Jeff. Yes. B, Rooster Cockburn. <laughs> that is correct. Is that, is Cockburn? Yes. Oh, I thought it was Cogburn. That's well, a TV I, show or I something, mean, right? that, that, you know, that's probably the right way to say I, it. I uh, say Cockburn. Oh, okay. Number nine. What words are written on the knuckles of Reverend Harry Powell, Robert Mitchum, in Night of the Hunter? Kia. Yes. Love, hate. That is correct. The other options were sexy and baby, wife and life, and hurt and pain. All right. Marilyn Monroe obsession round. Here we go. Question 10. Marilyn was born on the same day as what famous actor? This is June 1st, 1926. Well, she that shares, narrows it down. She shares a birthday with another famous actor. I have no idea. You guys want the options? Yes. A, Mel Brooks. B, Andy Griffith. C, Cloris Leachman. D, Jerry Lewis. Jeff. Yes. Jerry Lewis. Incorrect. Andy Griffith. Andy, Andy Griffith. That is correct. Oh, yes. Question 11. Well, nobody's perfect is the final line from what classic 1959 comedy starring Marilyn Monroe? Kia. Yes. Some like it hot? That is correct. Is it? I... Mm. <laughs> Are you upset that you got it right? I know. I've never <laughs> seen someone get so upset about getting stuff right. Uh, number 12. Marilyn Monroe married her first husband at what age? Jeff. Yes, Jeff. 14. Incorrect. <laughs> 17. Incorrect. 16. Oh. You guys weren't far off. <laughs> Marilyn has roughly how many books written about her? Anyone want to hazard a guess? No. This is roughly, so you don't have to get an exact count. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. Options. 600. B, 500. C, 200. D, 50. 200? Incorrect. 600. 
Goo. Yeah. It's way more than four. <laughs> <laughs> Number 14. Marilyn Monroe reportedly owned how many books at the time of her death? 600. <laughs> Incorrect. Good, really good guess. Um, Would you like the options? Yes. A, 4. <laughs> B, 40. C, 140. D, 400. Well, since you said 600 was a good guess, I'm going to say 400. Ah, I did give it away a little bit. It is true. She reportedly had 400 books. And apparently they were all notated. She, she wrote, mm-hmm. you know, like notes and stuff like that in every one of them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, final question. Question 15. What was reportedly one of Marilyn Monroe's favorite books? She supposedly carried mm-hmm. it with her almost everywhere. I mean, I feel like you guys need options, but if someone wants to go balls out, I respect it. I'll need options. Options. Marilyn's favorite book. A, The Biography of Abraham Lincoln. B, Peyton Place. C, The Catcher in the Rye. D, The Wizard of Oz. Jeff. Hmm. Yes. Wizard of Oz. Incorrect. Catcher in the Rye? Incorrect. It was Abe Lincoln's biography. Boring. Yeah. It it jumped out to me when I read that. I was like, that's pretty weird. Okay. So this very spirited round. So much enthusiasm all around between all three of us. Who won? I did. The score is four to 12. Oh. I kind of felt, I kind of, yeah. Yes. How did you feel, Kia? Tell us. I kind of feel bad because I know we watch more old movies than Jeff did. Well, yeah. it's all for fun. It is I know. Fun. I and know. next time I'll stack it big time in Jeff's <laughs> direction. So get ready. It's going to be like <laughs> Todd McFarlane trivia. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what image artist? Yeah. That type of thing. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks. And I'm getting very scared. Welcome to Sleepaway Camp. Hey guys, I'm Felissa Rose, Angela from Sleepaway Camp, and you're listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. Oh yeah, meet me at the waterfront after the social. Oh my God! Sleepaway Camp, you won't be coming home. We like to end every episode of the Half-Ass Horrorcast with a segment called What's Making Us Scared, in which we, the Half-Ass Horrorcast host, share with you, the listeners, things in the horror genre that are making us feel a plethora of emotions. Kia. Yeah. What did I say last time? I think Grady Hendrix's new book. Good. On the horizon. This time, I'm going to recommend Yellow Jackets. Huh. on Showtime, which I should have recommended last time, but I forgot. And I don't know if it had it started if it had started. I don't know yet. that we had watched an episode yet. So it's about three episodes in, mm-hmm. I think. Um it's on Showtime. It has Juliette Lewis, Christina Ricci, um Melanie Linsky. I think those are the three big people mm-hmm. to me. But it's kind of like a um Lord of the Flies type thing it's about a soccer a high school soccer team that in the 90s their plane crashes they land on a in a remote the remote woods and they have to survive 
then it flashes forward to when they're adults and they're dealing with the ramifications of that and who was a good person, who wasn't a good person. And it's, it's really good. I would definitely recommend that. Yeah, me too. And the, obviously the people you named are awesome in it. <laughs> Their scenes are amazing. But the, the young cast is really good too. When they, when they flash back to the 90s and they have like the young people playing these, you know, these actors you're familiar with, they do great jobs of kind mm-hmm. of like personifying Juliette Lewis or, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I also recommend that one. Yellow Jackets yes. on Showtime. Yes. It's Showtime. <laughs> At the Apollo. Oh. Scared me. <laughs> Jeff? My, so my friend Aaron Irons, he uh, has been working on this found footage horror film for the last two or three years, and we're all in one cameos. Yes. Yeah, we're, uh, we're in the, we're like extras in the background in this bar scene. But uh, he finished filming it, like he's filmed all the scenes and he's been editing it lately so um just that's my thing <laughs> update on what aaron's doing yeah. he's, he's working on his horror movie it's exciting though yeah he's, he's been yeah. working on a long time right yeah it seems like uh, a few years ago he was like he's like man my uh new year's resolution is to finally like i'm gonna make a movie this year mm. and i was like well that's an ambitious <laughs> you know resolution but it took him longer than he thought it would, but it he got it done. I mean, he's... And uh, just from hearing him talk about it, it sounds like it was a really stressful thing to sure. work on. And it's a SAG film, so it, I think SAG gave him a lot of trouble, a lot of hoops to jump through. And But he finally made it. Everything's filmed. Um, what's, what's the timeline? What's the ETA? He's trying to have it like a final cut done in January because he wants to start sending it off to like film... Uh, festivals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, what's it? What's the movie called? It's called Chest. Just oh. Chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about people showing their boobs. No, oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's about a different kind of chest. And this is Aaron Irons. It's written and directed by him, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's a found footage style movie. Hmm. Um, there's no like big stars in it, but it's like. Um, it's mostly people that who are actors that we already that he and I already kind of knew or some of them were mm-hmm. um there's like one guy in it who was on um god I can't think of the name of that Nashville no <laughs> the one with Jason Bateman on Netflix Ozark Ozark yeah mm-hmm. there's a guy oh. from Ozark that's in it <laughs> his name is cool. Jesse James that's his like first name is jesse james hmm. oh. um i can't remember his last name but i'm trying to think if there's anybody else that might be uh ted a friend of ours he's he was he's been on like uh nashville maybe <laughs> but i don't remember if he's been on that or not but i know he was on the vampire show on hbo why can't i think of the true name? blood true blood he was on true blood <laughs> Uh, and he's in some new Scorsese movie because he filmed a oh. scene with what's oh, wow. his, with the uh... Jesse Plemons. No. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. No. Robert De Niro. Yes. Oh. Really. Third time's a charm. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. I'm having a really hard time remembering names. <laughs> Ted Welch. He, he, he's Hendersonville, Tennessee. Wow. Oh, wow. So. Congrats. Congrats to uh, Aaron. 
on completing that project or nearing completion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my thing that is making me scared is our listeners. <laughs> I just noticed uh, the past few months in particular, just a lot of listeners reaching out to us and commenting on the show and different things that have been happening on the show. And I just really appreciate the input and the feedback. I've, I've got friends from when I was 12 years old listening. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, shout out to David. And, uh, you know, friends from college era listening and new friends that we've just met through the podcast that listen and just really appreciate all you guys. And as an act of goodwill, I would like to announce in 2022... It's going to be exclusively listener picks from me. Oh. So if you're listening to this, I'm not going to promote it on social media or anything like that. It's exclusively for people that listen all the way this deep into an episode. Uh, just reach out to me on social media at uh, our Twitter handle on Half-Ass Horrorcast or on Instagram or old school email at Horrorcast at Gmail. I think the first one should be the, the one that was recommended on Facebook. You're burying the lead. That's totally correct. Um, I am going to use that as our starting point because we had a listener already request that we, we cover a movie. So that'll be the first one. But by all means, this will be first come, first serve. Don't be shy. Let me know what you want to hear us talk about. We do roughly one episode a month with the OG crew. Uh, so I'll have about four, maybe five slots this, this coming year. So we got to get in quick. Nice. On that note, Jeff, it's your pick. Oh. For the <laughs> first... I'm excited. The first episode of 2022 goes to... Oh, yeah. Mr. Jeff, what are you going to pick? Well, I was kind of trying to decide between two different movies. The one I really wanted to pick is not on any kind of streaming service, so we'd have to rent it, which is not a big deal, but... I don't think it's a big deal at all. I figured I'd pick something that's maybe like more accessible to people. And uh, so maybe... I'll wait till my next pick to do the other one because maybe it'll be available by then. But uh, anyway, long explanation. Uh, I'm going to go with They Live, which is available on Peacock. They Live, streaming on Peacock. John Carpenter. I think it's one of the freebie ones. Like You don't have to actually subscribe to Peacock to watch it. That's the one with uh, Rowdy Piper. Yes, Rowdy Piper. And is it... Keith David? I was yeah. going to mix it up with David Keith. David there, Keith. There's two actors <laughs> with yeah. similar names. Yeah. Who Keith look completely David. different, have totally different personas, but I still, <laughs> you know, get them mixed up. But hmm. So, excellent pick. They live next time on the Half-Assed Horror Cast. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Jeff and Kia, for participating. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at Horrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, Horrorcast.com. Yeah.